Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Four verses of Scripture, then we're going to pray together in Philippians chapter 3 and in verse 12. The Apostle Paul is talking to his friends at Philippi and he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I'm still not all that I should be, but I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14 says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, I'm moving on and pressing on. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for each person who's here today, Lord. And I pray that you'd speak to us from your word, by your spirit. God, I pray that you'd anoint me now to speak on your behalf. God, to say the things that would honor you, to say the things that would be sound doctrine. God, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, I pray for every unsaved person who's in this room today, God, that you would show them clearly their need for Bible salvation. God, I pray for every Christian in the room today, God, that you would create an urgency in us to move on and to press on. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning about moving on beyond the past and pressing on toward the finish line to receive the prize. Uh, I love the book of Philippians. It's Sometimes I'll switch up. If you've been in Christ long enough, every now and then somebody asks you what your favorite Bible verse is, and you'll give them one and say, no, 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 it's th- no, no, it's this one, no, it's that one. Uh, depending on what time of the year it is, I-, I might have a different passage of Scripture that I find uh, my favorite. But historically, the book of Philippians has been a place where I've spent a lot of time, and I love this book, and I love this chapter and this teaching here about pressing on and I, I love the old hymn called higher ground and some of you been in church long enough you remember when churches used to sing uh bible based songs uh that that made sense uh let, let me let me just read to you a, a little verse out of uh, that that great hymn higher ground because it ought to express the heart's desire of every true believer in the world it says i'm pressing on the upward way new heights i'm gaining every day Still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. We need to be on higher ground. The body of Christ needs to have a passion for the upward call of God. We, we need to understand that there is more to Christianity than just going through the motions. When in fact, most Christians, and I'm talking about real Christians, most real Christians are simply doing that. 
They're not living on higher ground. They're not even pressing toward higher ground. They're stuck in a rut. If they'd be honest with where they really are, they're just going through to get through, holding on to hold on, and hoping one day it all works out. But if you don't hear anything else I have to say to you today, understand this. There's more. Look at somebody and say there's more. I want us to develop as a people a moving on and pressing on attitude. Moving on and pressing on. If you're one of those people that write stuff down on three by five cards, if you'd like to put notes to yourself somewhere so that you don't forget, you need to put those words on somewhere that you'll see them or you need to condition yourself to remember to tell yourself every day, move on, move on. You ought to just develop that as a speech inside your family. There's certain things as parents. There's sometimes we just look and, and, and kids know what that look means. Sometimes we say half a sentence like you bet that's it. I mean, that's all you have to. But we need to get certain sayings going on in the body of Christ. You ought to tell yourself. You ought to tell the people that you love. There ought to be a, a rule in your house where everybody understands when you just look at them and say, move on. Trying to help them. Or, or you, just say, you say, press on. See, there's two different messages, but it's helping you get to the same direction. We got to learn how to move on. Say, move on. We got to learn how to press on. Say, press on. We got to have this moving on and pressing attitude this, this morning, tonight, tomorrow, throughout our lives. Uh, an attitude that says, I know where I'm going, and I'm not going to stop until I get there. I know where I'm going and I'm not going to stop because let me tell you, there's going to be a lot of things that cause you to want to stop. There's going to be a lot of things that get in your way. There's going to be people that get in your way. The primary person that gets in your way is going to be who? That's a fact. The primary person that gets in Scott Becker's way is Scott Becker. And the primary person that gets in your way is you. But here's the reality. We have been so conditioned by false thinking that we constantly try to blame it on somebody else they are so blah 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 they did this 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 i'm gonna tell you again what i've told you before i am tired of people being offended at other folk john bevere got rich writing that book that series them workbooks on the spirit of offense and there is a spirit of offense and, and people that, that aren't deep in Christ are prone to be offended easily. You say, well, what makes you say that? It's seen all throughout nature and spirit realm, first natural, then spiritual. The people who are most easy to be offended in the natural realm are babies, toddlers, little kids. The older you get, the more you ought to let some stuff roll off like water off a duck's back. The older you get, the more you ought to have that mindset, mm, I'll pray for you. Right? That, that's maturity. That, that's when you stop blaming others and you realize that what mama used to say, if you point your fingers at somebody, you got three point back at yourself. That, that's maturity that says, I've got enough jacked up about me I'm not gonna keep blaming everybody else I got to get me together we got to have a moving on pressing on mindset and we got to have a not a don't quit until I get there see Paul knew what he was talking about 
for a couple of different reasons. Number one, God inspired him to say what it was that he had to say. So he had the right theology, but he also had the right experiences to talk about what he was talking about. Paul was a great Christian. God used him to write half of the New Testament. Uh, he said that he was going to move on from his past and keep pressing on until he reached his goal. And, and I want us to move on and to press on without quitting. See, there's too many quitters in the world. People quit. If, uh, if, if, you're, if you're taking notes, write that down as a note to yourself. Don't quit. Don't quit. Perseverance pays off. And all God's promises are, are to those who endure. The Bible says that you have to endure to the end. Listen, if you quit, you forfeit your right to access God's promise for you. If you quit, you forfeit the, the, the destiny that God purposed for you and you walk in a lesser form of living. Now, if we had the time right now, uh, we, we could start with the Wyatt family and move all the way around the back to the Terry family. If we had time just to go through person by person and enough honesty, and here was the simple question. Are you living on higher ground? Or are you walking on a lesser level than you wish you were? Mm. See, if we were honest, and, and, and y'all know church folk ain't honest. That, that, that's, what, that's what makes moving forward so hard. Uh, first step in solving a problem is you got to identify that problem. you got to take ownership of that problem. you got to quit blaming everybody else for it and say, okay, now what can I do about it, but the reality is most of us aren't pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. That, that was a song my grandmom and them used to sing and mean it with all their heart because they were pressing on and they were growing higher. But I wonder in your life right now, this week, in the last five hours, in the last 24 hours, in the last 24 days, have you been gaining new heights in Christ or has it been same old, same old? Have you been gaining new heights? Are you pressing on the upward way? Are, are you moving on and pressing on? Or has it just been kind of mundane? If it's been mundane, I'm telling you, you quit. Because if you're truly saved, there was a time in your life where you were pressing toward God. Nothing was going to slow you down. People weren't going to keep you from church. A headache wasn't going to keep you from church. A backache wasn't going to keep you from church. Being tired at night wasn't going to stop you from saying your prayers and reading your Bible. Be, 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 being scared of what people thought about you wasn't going to stop you from standing up and making your claim for Christ. There was a time when we were moving forward, but life happens and some people are no longer moving forward. And I want you to make sure that... You don't quit because a lot of people start something, but very few people finish something. Oh, it's really important how you start a thing, but you got to make sure to finish a thing as well. Uh, I, I'll give it to you in the simplest form that we were all taught. If you had a good coach in your life or a good mentor in your life, they taught you that winners don't what? And quitters don't what? That's the bottom line. And, and that is reality. Winners don't quit in the natural and winners don't quit in the spirit realm. If you want to accomplish anything in your life, it's going to require some stick to. Yeah. 
It's going to require some grit. Old folk called it gumption. It's going to require some, I'm not going to give up until I make it. If you want to quit a habit or an addiction, you're going to have to stay with it and stay with it and stay with it. How many of y'all know most people that ever quit a real addiction quit at least 100 times? Y'all don't understand addiction if you don't understand that. Most, most people who ever really accomplished anything, they stayed with it and they stayed with it and they would not stop and I want you to make it in your mind that you're not going to quit if you come to church on a regular basis you know people drift in and drift out like the wind they blow in and they blow out and and it's usually the ones who who jump right in both feet want every title and every name and they want to do everything that there is to do they they we, we call them bottle rocket Christians Bottle rocket Christians, you you do some fireworks. You you see that 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 that, that firework it, it shoots straight up and fizzles out, and that's it. It's gone. God isn't calling anybody to be a bottle rocket Christian. God's calling us to be enduring Christians. And but a lot of these times, people people blow in and blow out before you even get a chance to know them. They're like, what happened to? Didn't they used to? I kind of think. What was their name? Uh, see, I get a different vantage point than, than everybody else in the church. I, 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 I get a different uh, view when it comes to watching people come in and go out because typically, not all the time, but typically I know the Paul Harvey. That's, uh, that don't make sense to young people. Uh, uh, Paul, Paul Harvey, was, was uh, he did an editorial, and he was a journalist, and he was a speaker, and he, he would always he, he would talk about his little view on stuff, and he would call it the what? And now you know the rest of the story. I, I, I get the Paul Harvey view most people don't get. Typically, I know why they came from where they were. I know what brought them here, and I know why they left. Not everybody. Some people blow in, blow out before I even know who they are or ask anybody who they are. Uh, but I, let me give you the typical scenario uh, Life gets people down through hardship, so they come to church. Stop that swinging. Life gets people down through hardship, so they, they come to church. They, they, they focus on God, looking for help. Then God helps them, and then by and by, they blow out and forget about God. Uh, now, and the truth is this. We need to come to God when things are hard. Nothing wrong with that. You need to show up. Every, every pimp, drug dealer, hooker, whore, every depressed person, every person having a problem, every addict, every, every, which, which I just named all human beings right there. I'm not a pimp or a whore. Uh, uh, well, you got problems, don't you? Not me, that's you. Oh, well, you're a special kind of crazy. Uh, you need to come to church too. Everybody needs to come to God in their time of difficulty, but the reality is when you come to God to get help from, from Him and you get that help, stay close to Him and keep getting help. Don't walk away from the one who helped you. See, that's quitting. That, 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 that's quitting. Paul was not a quitter. Uh, God had a plan for Paul's life. We talked last week about God having a plan for everyone's life. Paul was a different kind of believer, though, because he was determined to press on no matter what happened to him. 
You couldn't run Paul off. You couldn't break Paul's determination. You couldn't stop Paul from reaching his goal. See, a lot of people think that the ones who endure just have it easy. Oh, well, it's easy for them because they, they, they don't go through what I go through. Let me tell you something. The reason why most of us go through what we go through, if it's bad, is because we made what kind of choice? Well, who are you? Uh, I'm just a dude with a microphone telling you the truth. Who are you? We can play the who are you game, but the truth's the truth. Anyhow, Paul didn't, didn't have success in Christ because his life was easy, and nobody that ever had success in Christ had it because life was easy. The Bible says we have these stories written down of what these people went through for our example so we can learn from it. Paul went through a lot of stuff. Paul went through a lot more stuff than any of us have gone through. And listen, he didn't quit. Well, he was Paul. He was special. Let me tell you what was special about Paul. The thing that was special about Paul was the God he served. And that can be the same special thing about you. We look at people, whoever your favorite bishop is, whoever your favorite radio TV preacher is, whoever your favorite minister is, you think that they're special and awesome and amazing. The only thing, if anything, about them that is special, awesome, or amazing is the God that they serve and the spirit of that God on the inside of him, and he lives in you. Now get on with being special. Get on with being awesome. Get on with being amazing. But every time you refuse to move on and every time you refuse to press on, every time you give in to pressure and quit, you got to start all over again. And that's why some people never get anywhere in Christ. They're pressing on to upward way, new height, I quit. They're moving up in Christ, they're uh, quit. They're, they're, they're climbing Jacob, quit. They're moving toward, quit. And I want to tell you something, God has not called you to be a roller coaster Christian. And if your life resembles roller coaster Christianity, where you're up on a mountain, high, 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 as you wishing everybody could be as spiritual as you are, and then you crash down into your sin and the depths of your depravity, and then you circle back up and corkscrew and twist and go backwards, that is not the life that God has designed for his believers. It's not roller coaster Christianity. It is set your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and keep following him day by day, little by little, minute by minute, week by week, month by month, and never give up. Paul had many adversities in life, but he didn't quit. I want to read to you Paul's list of struggle. Because he knew there were people that were talking trash about him. There were people that were saying stuff about him. Like he wasn't as a big, uh, real an apostle as other, as other people that he hadn't gone through enough. So he let them know in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Listen to this. He said, are they servants of Christ? I sound like a madman, but I've served him far more. Exclamation point. They were telling Paul, you ain't as legit as Peter, James, and John because they walk with Jesus. You're not, you, you're, you're, you're like a, a, an apostle, but you're kind of like, uh, you, you, hey, listen, stop comparing people to other people. Everybody's got their own relationship with Christ, but Paul had had enough of it, so God inspired him. Go ahead, Paul. Tell, tell him, 
who, who you are. They're going to think it sounds crazy, but let them know. You served God more than any of the rest of them. He said, I worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Stay with that verse right there for a minute. If somebody tells you this is their life, you ought to automatically, if it ain't Paul, know they're lying. If they start telling you, oh, I've been through more than they, and, and see, because they will probably be telling it to you in bitterness, in self-righteousness, and in arrogance. Paul is not bitter, he's not self-righteous, and he's not arrogant. He is just listening the facts. This is the stone-cold truth. In verse 24, he, he, he gives them specifics. He says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Now, see, this is how we know he's not falling into that big group of people. Oh, I done did more for Jesus than they'll ever do. Really? Tell me about it. How so? Who'd you win to Christ this week? How much time did you spend in Bible study this week? How much scripture do you have memorized? How many people have you led to Jesus in your lifetime? How much money? Oh, here we got them. How much money did you give in 2019? Well, everybody ain't got money. No, but everybody is commanded to pay the tithe, to take the tenth and give it on the first day of the week. See, if you can't put specifics on your spirituality, you're part of that other crowd. Paul is part of a unique crowd of people who are telling the truth. He had specifics. In verse 25, he said, three times I was beaten with rods. Now, here I want you to get something from this. How much has Christianity changed over the years? And here's the reality. It's had a massive change in, most, in, in some of our lifetimes. It's had a seriously massive change uh, in the last hundred years. I'm here to propose to you Christianity has changed more in the life of the average church member in the last hundred years than it did in the 1900 years going back to Jesus. Uh, in the 2,000 years since Jesus, uh, it, it has changed more in the last 100 years because 100 years ago, you didn't have Christians saying, I'm just tired of going to church all the time. No, they rejoiced to be in the house of the Lord. A uh, hundred years ago, you didn't have people saying, oh, Lord, here comes that bucket again. Uh, they, they rejoiced to have something to give to God, and they gave to God what was his, the first tenth and an offering on top of it. A hundred years ago, you didn't have Christians watching 20 hours of television a day or being on social media 20 hours a day. And your theory is because they didn't have it then and you would be right about then. But I propose to you, Grandma and them wouldn't have been looking at it no way. Well, you didn't know Grandma and them. I'm talking about in the last 60 years, we've went from a nation of Christians who refused to show Elvis Presley from the waist down on television to a, a, a group of Christians where the pastors and the best church, ch church members there are sit and watch stuff on television that will curl grandmama's wig back. This is what Elvis Presley was doing on TV. He was playing a guitar up top like this 
and doing this. One leg. That's all he was doing. But he, they, they said, we have to edit that because he's exposing his crotch. Okay, well, I'm not sure. This in 2019, don't go for exposure. Listen, that, hey, you think that's something? Watch some MTV. Watch some BET. Watch a music. Go on YouTube and watch. Hey, I, 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 don't do it. Trust me when I tell you the vulgarity that is being watched by people who claim the name of Christ has changed more in the last hundred years than it did in the 1900 years before that. But people, are, people aren't willing to go through stuff now like they were then. I'm just tired of my friends making fun of me. I'm not going to talk about Jesus at work anymore. Oh, oh, hold on. Oh, 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 wait, wait. Oh, they made fun of you? Oh, please, hold on. Let me get a chair for you. Sit down. I want to get a fan and fan you real quick. They, oh, they, they cracked a joke at your behalf? Hold on a second. Let me get you some water because this sounds exhausting. Uh, let me call 911. I want them to hook up an IV. Well, what, what do you think, Joyce? We, we had to start them on, on some 5% sugar water or just some saline water. I mean, we, what, what do we got to do? D5W, straight saline. We got to just hydrate you, you poor little baby. You got your feelings hurt, so you're going to quit serving Christ? It, listen, people used to have. Have more backbone for Jesus. Paul ain't talking about he lost his, 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 all his dope smoking friends don't hang out with him anymore since he came to Jesus. I used to have people ask me, well, well what am I going to do uh, with all my partying friends now that I'm a Christian? I don't know what to do about, listen, you be a Christian, you won't have to do nothing about them. Because they're going to leave you. They, you don't have to worry about how you're going to tell them that the Bible says you got to come out from among them and be ye separate. You start being the man, the woman God wants you to be, they're going to be done with you. But we have such weak-mindedness in the world today. Uh, three times I was beaten with rods. I think that's a little bit different than she rolled her eyes at me. You're like, well, they both hurt. Well, I tell you what, you roll your eyes at me, and I beat you with a rod, and we'll see which one hurts the worst. I tell you, I let you roll your eyes at me twice. Yeah, just, 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 just so you'll feel good about it. He said three times I was beaten. Once I was stoned. I always have to preface that by saying that's not the kind of stone that you're thinking of. They threw rocks at him. Until they thought he was dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift. He boat come apart. He's floating on driftwood in the ocean. Listen, anybody goes through stuff like now that now they, they make a movie, a documentary out of it. So and so was capsized for nine hours before the Coast Guard. There was no Coast Guard coming. There was no flares to shoot off. There were no buoys in the ocean to hold on to uh, so the shark wouldn't get you. He was floating out there for a whole night and a day. Paul went through a lot. Verse 26, he said, I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. 
I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. Oh, I don't have time to preach all that, but you better make sure you're not in that last group of people claiming to be a believer but ain't one. The Bible says they're false brethren who've crept in to our congregations, uh, and, and they're not of us for real. Verse 27 says, I worked hard and long, comma. I always tell you, pay attention to the punctuation. Pause, slow it down, take it in bite-sized pieces so you can digest it. He said, I worked hard and long. Do you know that just canceled out 99% of the people in the world? I worked hard and long. If you want what others have, you got to do what they did to get it. I, I've heard so many people say, well, you know, if it comes to it, if they just come in and they start shooting Christians and killing us for our faith, I would die for Jesus. Maybe you would. Maybe if, maybe if the black hats walked in here right now with machine guns and said, deny Jesus and we'll let you walk out that door. Stand up for Jesus, we'll kill you where you are. There'd be some people who would do it, but I'm going to tell you this, it's a whole lot easier to die for Jesus than it is to live for Jesus. Paul's life would have been easier if at any one of these tragedies he would have just died. Dying, it takes seconds uh, at, at, at the quickest and minutes at the longest in, in, a, in an execution style. Many people would die for Jesus, but we, we, we got to decide whether or not we're willing to live for him. He said, I worked long. I worked hard, endured many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty. I have often gone without food. I shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. I got I to get you to understand this because here, here's the reality. There are some rich people that are so arrogant in their possessions that they, they have distanced themselves from the love of God through their arrogance. And it's easy for poor people to point their fingers at rich people who don't trust God uh, because they trust in their money. And there's plenty of that. But I also want you to know the richest people that were in the world during Bible times were Christians. Oh, we, we don't want to amen to that. Uh, you you might have heard of a man named Abraham. Uh, you you, you might have heard of his son Isaac, Jacob. You might have heard of a man named Joseph. You might have heard of a man named Job. Um, I'm sure you've heard of Paul. Paul. Paul said that there were times in his life where he had little and times in his life that he had more than enough. Uh, but we got this mindset, poor people in America got this mindset that the world owes them something because they're poor. And I want to tell you something, the poorest people in this country would not be poor anywhere else almost on the planet. Poor people in this country have cigarettes and a lighter. Oh, you're broke? You're poor? You want, you want me to have pity on you because you're broke and poor? You want me to give you the money? I, I, I have multiple jobs. I, I've never worked one job in my life uh, out, uh, since I've been an adult. I, and, and you're so poor, you want me to just to give you some of what I have because you're so poor. Well, let's just examine how poor you are. Do you have a cell phone? Do you have cigarettes? Do you have a lighter? Do you, do you have a television? Do, uh, if you don't have any of that, let me ask you this. Do you have enough clothes on to keep you warm? Or are you just walking around naked with nothing? Now, I'm not, I'm not making light of your situation, but I'm telling you, there are people who have it worse than you. We, we had an anti-Christian, God-hating, devilish teacher in one of my children's classes at Oakleaf High School. 
uh, talking his socialism foolishness to the children there uh, in, in a class, t telling them that it is obscene for people to have lots of money when, when there are people all around them that have less. I told my son, next time you see that lying God hater, tell her you don't have any money at all, and if she has money on her, it is obscene that she has money on her when you don't. Let, let, let her know. You don't have uh, as much as she has, so she ought to give you all her stuff. That's ridiculous on its face. And nobody who ever had a desire to work hard and long and be blessed by God wanted handouts when they could get blessings from God. Let me keep moving. Let me get back into my text. We, we, we're going to be here too long if I don't. Last verse 28 says, uh, after he lists all that, then, then he puts the cherry on top. He said, then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. I have never had respect for happy-go-lucky pastors. Just can't do it. And I've met them. I've met them. They're just thrilled to death, to the, especially these guys that, that do the typical thing. The average pastor stays in one location for less than 36 months. All right? Uh, and then he moves on because it's easier to fake it for short periods of time. Y'all didn't get that. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's easier to go reinvent yourself when they start figuring out that you ain't perfect. I, I tell them all, you need to let them know you ain't perfect from Jump Street. Don't, don't, don't um, interview like you hung the moon because then they're going to expect you to know the name of all the stars. Uh, so, uh, and, and these guys, they're just so excited. They got the new church, and they're excited about their church office, and they, they're out playing golf, and, and they, they're, they're out just traveling with, with, with on, on church money, and they're just thrilled to be there, and they never seem weighed down. Well, if you study real ministers, whether it's the burden of the Lord that was on Isaiah or the burden of the Lord that was on Jeremiah or the pain of the pressure that was on Ezekiel, real pastors understand what Paul's talking about, this daily burden that I have because I care about y'all. Uh, usually lists start with the most prominent thing first to the least prominent. Every now and then you get a cherry on top. Paul's basically saying here, man, if I hadn't been through all that, I got y'all on my neck every day. <laughs> but it wasn't what they were putting on him. Do you realize if, if the pastor don't care, it, it, whether you put it on his neck or not, he don't wear it. Listen, you, you want to be able to check Here's how, here's how I'll tell you how. You want to be able to check whether or not a, a, a pastor was, was, was dealing with that daily burden. See how he's looking. Because I've told y'all before, pastors and presidents aged in dog years. You go in looking one kind of way, you come out looking a different way. And, and this is why I tell y'all. Now listen, this is bad etiquette. And y'all, I hope you only do it to me. You, 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 you etiquette-less folk, you couthless folk who come up to me constantly and say, are you okay? You look tired. <laughs> See, because everything in me wants to raise back and say, are you okay? You look fat. <laughs> have, have, have you been feeling all right, Pastor? You've been, looking, you've been looking a little off lately. Everything in me wants to rise back and say, 
has it been hard going through life as ugly as you are? Because, you know, your face kind of is like, ugh. See, that, 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 that is without couth on, on, on your part. But the reality is, the pastor ought to look tired because it's a burden. He ought to not be sleeping well because it's a burden. He ought to be going through stuff no matter how in line he's got his life because he's got all his stuff to bear and everybody else's stuff to bear as well. Can you agree with me yet that Paul's life wasn't always easy? Uh, all right, if you're ever going to be who God wants you to be, you're going to have to make up your mind that you're not going to quit. You're going to press on and, and you're not going to quit. Let's get back to our opening text. Um, uh, I actually said four verses. It's actually only three. Verse 12 says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. This is awful wordy, but if you study uh, great theologians, you'll find out most of them will tell you that Paul just wanted to hold on to the one that was holding on to him. The first thing I want you to see today, uh, if you're taking notes or if you're listening, just listen good, is that God grabbed you first. God grabbed you first. I had a pastor one time, every time he said it, I, I wanted to correct him, but I don't make it my business to correct pastors. <laughs> I didn't want you to see the look on my face all the way together as I said that, because I know God can take care of, of, of that. Uh, and, and God has already said not to bring an accusation against an elder, but to entreat them as a father. It ain't, it ain't my children's job to tell me what they think is wrong with me. Uh, let, 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 me let me keep moving. Uh, uh, Paul said that, uh, oh no, this pastor said that, that I want to correct him, but I never did. But he was wrong every time he said it. He would say it almost every week. He'd say, the smartest thing I ever did was to accept Jesus as my Savior. And I'm thinking... If you're saved at all, and I believe he is, if you're saved at all, it's not because of your intelligence that caused you to accept Jesus. That wasn't a smart decision on your part. That was a revelation that God gave you because if you're saved at all, it's not because you came to Jesus. It's because you realize that in your sin and in your waywardness and in your deficiency, the Spirit of God tracked you down, found you where you were, and poured out His love on you and brought you to an awareness that Jesus died for you. I need you to understand today, if you're a Christian, God grabbed you first. Paul said, I want to lay hold on the one who laid hold on me. He understood God grabbed him first. I, I love what Matthew Henry said so much. I wrote it in the notes. Look on, on the screen. Matthew Henry said, it's not our laying hold of Christ first, but his laying hold of us, which is our happiness and our salvation. You ought to be thrilled to death that God called you, that God elected you, that God predestined you to be on his team before you had to try out. He put you in his family before you had to audition. He adopted you not because you answered the right questions in an interview process, but he, the Bible says he does all things according to his own counsel and his own will. 1 John 4, 19 says we love him because he first loved us. If you love God at all, it's because he loved you first. If you're on God's team, it's because he picked you. This ought to bring a humbling in your life. This ought to bring a thankfulness in your life. If, if you are saved at all, it's because he saved you when you didn't deserve it. 
If you love him at all, it's because he allowed you to realize how much he loves us. Not only are, are, are we saved because he saved us, not only do we love him because he first loved us, but it, you need to understand it's not our keeping hold of Christ that's keeping us, it's him keeping hold of us that's our safety. 1 Peter 1.5 says we're kept by his mighty power through faith unto salvation. We're kept by whose mighty power? His. You want to know why you haven't quit yet? It ain't because you're all that in a bag of chips. Well, you don't want to know why you haven't quit yet? It's not because of your determined effort and your willpower. It's not because you love God more than other people that quit. Love God. If you are still holding on at all, if you are still staying by the God who stayed by you, you are kept by His mighty power. You ought to wake up every day and thank God for saving you and keeping you. Thank you God for saving me when I didn't deserve it. Thank you for keeping me when I still don't deserve it. Every day we ought to wake up with those thoughts in our mind. I'm, I'm saved because he saved me and I'm kept by his mighty power. See, well, well, how does that make me special? How does that empower me? How does that lift me up? How does that exalt me? It doesn't because Christianity is not that. Christianity is a, is a thankful, humble realization that it's all about Him, exalting Him, giving Him the credit, giving Him the glory, giving Him the honor, realizing it's what He did for us, not what we do for Him. The second thing I, I want you to see this morning is that we can't wait until we're perfect to press on. I told you we need to move on and we need to press on. Don't get caught in the trap of the devil to wait until you reach a certain level for you to decide to press on. Look at verse 12 again. It, it says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. Now, Paul had a reason for saying that. Paul had accomplished a lot of great things for Christ, and the people in Philippi was a city in that region. He pastored over them, and they were exalting him too high. They were looking at him as more than he was. So he had to let them know, look, I, 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 I'm not saying I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. I already told y'all, Paul's in a unique class of people. Please remove this from your vernacular. Stop telling people, well, I, I don't want you to think I'm perfect, okay, because they don't. <laughs> oh, I've had so many people tell me in counseling situations, well, Pastor Scott, I don't want you to think I'm perfect. Uh, I don't. And I never will. And I don't care what your resume Funniest, one of the funniest words in the English language. Y'all know how we should be pronouncing that word? Your resume. I don't want your, I don't, I don't care how impressive your resume is. I don't care what you want to say about, you, you never have to tell me, well, Pastor, I don't want you to think I'm perfect. Okay? Nah. No, nobody, nobody, nobody's looking at you and thinking that, okay? Now, they were looking at Paul and thinking that, so he had, he had a right to say that. He, he said, I, I, I'm not even trying to say that I've achieved the things that I'm preaching to you about. This verse right here needs to be choked down by church members that are looking for perfect pastors every day. Paul wasn't there. How are you expecting folk in this generation to be there? He said, I, I'm not, I haven't already achieved these things. I, I haven't reached perfection. He needed them to get their mind right about who he was. He said, but, here's a transition. He said, this is what I do. 
I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first. He said, I I'm not, I'm not perfect. And listen, if you wait until you're perfect to press on, you're never going to do anything for Christ. The Bible says if, you work, if the farmer was to wait for perfect conditions to, to plant his seed, he'd never plant. And some of y'all waiting on something to smooth out before you start being the man, the woman, the young person that God wants you to be, you better stop waiting and start getting on with the getting on. Because there is no perfect season. There is no perfect year. There is no perfect life. Listen, we're about to go into a new year. We're about to go in, in, into a new month. We're about to go into, are you ready, a new decade. Uh, and if you keep putting off what God has for you to do because this ain't right, that ain't right. Well, he ain't doing it right and she ain't doing it right. Well, once you get your, listen, Paul let them know. Paul outed them already. You can't have a once I once the pastor gets it all together, I'll get it. He's like, look, hey, I ain't even there yet. But, but, but I'm pressing on. Do not wait for anything to get better for you to press on in your effort to embrace Christ. Stop waiting until you get you all together before you start doing the three simple things that I've told you every Christian needs to be doing. You need to read your Bible, say your prayers, and make good choices. If you will do that every day, if you will make a determined effort every day, I'm going to read my Bible today no matter what. I'm going to talk to God today no matter what, and I'm going to make the best choices I can make today, then you'll get through today and you can get up and do that tomorrow. Well, you know, once, once this overtime slows down, I'm going to get back on my regular devotion. No, that's just an excuse. That's the devil. He's tricking you. Procrastination is the thief of dreams. And too many of y'all have been waiting on this to clear up, that to clear up. And if you be honest with yourself, you ain't got to where you know you need to be because you've been putting other things in your way saying, once I get past this, I'm going to. I already told you about going to. People living in going to do land ain't getting nothing done. And you got to get into reality. Days are passing by, turning into weeks, turning into months, turning into a lifetime, and you're going to be sitting there on your grave. There, listen, I, I, I didn't come up with this, but I believe it wholeheartedly. Nobody ever at their grave, on their dying bed, ever said, I wish I'd have worked one more shift on the job. Amen. Nobody on their deathbed ever says, I wish I'd accomplished more in my career. I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have made Two more dollars to leave in the bank. No, they, 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 they get serious about what's important. I wish I'd have spent more time with the ones I love. I wish I'd have served God more greatly than I did. You, 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 you don't have to uh, admire Billy Graham. You should. He, God used him in a great way. It's, it's popular right now, people pouring hate on Billy Graham. They're going to go to hell for sure. Listen, if you don't, you don't have to respect, but, but I, I, I was so shook when I heard an interview, someone was interviewing Dr. Billy Graham, and this dude led a bunch of people to Christ by the millions, okay? He preached all over, and he led millions of people to Christ. And they asked Dr. Billy Graham, they said, uh, do, do you have any regrets? Now that you're getting near the end of your life, is there anything you regret? And Billy Graham started crying, and he said, I wish... I would have been a better witness for my Lord. I wish I'd have won more people to Christ. I wish I'd have shared this great gospel with more people than I did. I had to turn the TV off. I was sobbing so hard. I had to be like, oh, I'm done. I'm shot out now. I'm, uh, wow. 
Is there a wow factor in you for that right now? These are the things that matter at the end of life. And if you keep saying, well, I'm going to wait until I get this, that, and the other thing worked out before I really become all that God has for me, you are just buying in to the lie of the devil. The third thing I want you to see this morning is Paul had a plan. Say plan. In, in, in the King James, the, the, this, in, in this passage, he said, this one thing I do. Now, in, in the New Living Translation, he said, I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing. Let's, let's look at it in verse 13. Uh, Paul says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Let me tell you again in case you didn't hear it the first time. Let me say it louder for those in the back. Stop waiting on the pastor to get perfect before you start being who God wants you to be. He said, I ain't, I ain't achieved this stuff, uh, uh, but he said, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what, see, Paul had, Paul had a plan. He, he wasn't going to let things slow him down. He had a process to his plan. Uh, listen, a goal without a process of how to achieve it, is just a daydream. Oh, I got goals, Pastor. Really? Do you have a systematic approach to achieving your goals? Have you written down steps one through five of how you're going to accomplish your goals? Because you, oh, I wrote my goals down, put them on my vision board. Well, that sounds all cute and lovely, but you got to have a plan. Say plan. He had a plan. He had a plan. He knew he wasn't there yet. He hadn't achieved it yet, but he did have a plan. He was focusing on one thing. And, and I, always, I always say this when I, when I teach this passage because to us it sounds like two. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Do you see how that sounds like two? Not for Paul. That was one. That was one A and one B. That was part of the, his one big plan, this one big thing he did. And you need to understand when someone as successful in Christianity as Paul said, this is the one big thing I do. You need to pay attention to that. He, he said, I'm not perfect, and I haven't achieved everything that I want to be, and I'm not everything that I should be, but this, this, this is what I'm doing right now to become who y'all think I already am. He said, I forget the past, and I look forward to what lies ahead. You need to understand that you got to stop letting your past hold you back. Because if you keep letting your past hold you back, you're never going to move forward in Christ until you forget your past. Paul's plan was to do something with his past and something with his present. Do something about then and do something about now. His plan for his past was to forget it. And you got to move on from that. This is where the moving on part of the sermon comes in. Listen, move on from your past, but they hurt me. Move on from that. Well, they, but you don't understand. It was their fault. You got to move on. What, what's the Bible say that you ought to do to somebody who wrongs you? Forgive them. Well, I'll forgive them, but I'll never forget it. Well, ain't you saved? It's so spiritual. No, you're not. Anybody who says, I forgive them, but I forget what they've done, you, ain't, you haven't forgiven them or you wouldn't let that come out of your mouth in front of somebody else because you sound bitter. Still in your heart. Well, I, 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 I'll forgive them, but I'll never forget what they did. You, you better move on from all that. We talk Wednesday night about putting things behind us so we don't enter into the new year and the new decade carrying yesterday's baggage. you got to let that go. 
you got to let that go. I preached a sermon one time called the, the Great Unloading Dock of Prayer. Now, every, all, of, all of us aren't truckers, and all of us never worked uh, in, in logistics. I worked unloading trucks for UPS. I understand. I worked loading trucks for UPS. I understand what, what loading and unloading trucks is all about, and I understand how a truck backs in uh, to, to, the, to, to the dock, and it backs all the way up, and they unload it. And when that's the final destination, do you know how much of the stuff that's in that trailer they take out? All of it. It, it don't ride away. Uh, what, what, what do they call that term when, when a truck's going home empty? Who? Deadhead? No, it's a different term. Got something to do with a bunny or a rabbit. Either way, uh, whatever it is, uh, the truckers, the, the truck drives different when you're going home and you've unloaded your entire load where you're not carrying weight. And I want you to know that for the Christian, you have a privilege where you can back up to the unloading dock of prayer every day and as many times a day as you want to. And you can unload your entire load on God so you leave that dock without a burden, without a lighthearted and moving on. Some of you ain't unloaded your entire load because you won't forget the past. You, you're still holding on to the pain of what they put you through. Or you're still holding on to the guilt of what you did. I want to tell you something. Here's a great promise from God. He said in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You can let that go. You can put it in your past. You can drive away from it and you say, that's not only in the rear view mirror, that's so far behind me, I'm not even seeing it anymore. And I don't care if your past was five years ago, 50 years ago, or five seconds ago, you got to forget that thing. Forget it. Move on. Move on. Paul said, hey, this is the one thing I do. I do this one. I focus on one thing. Listen, Paul had great success in Christ. If you want to have success in Christ, you better do what he did. If you want what others have, you got to do what they did to get it. Paul said, this is the big thing I'm focused on, forgetting the past. Some of us can't even get to the word and. Have you forgotten the past? Have you forgiven everybody that ever hurt you? Have you let go of your gloom, despair, and agony on me? Have you let go of your constant rehearsing what a victim you are and how hard it is in life? Listen, there are hardships for sure. And there are hurt certain people that have gone through more hardships. And there are certain cultures that have gone through even more hardship. But if you just want to live in your victimhood and in your status of how hard it is on you, you can't enter into everything God has for you until you move past that. Move on. Some of you need to forgive your spouse. The hardest job there is for the marriage counselor is listening to people rehash stuff that supposedly they've forgiven the other person for. Supposedly. Well, uh, I thought you forgave them that as Christ forgave you yours. Uh, you ought to be so glad that Jesus understands forgiveness. You ought to be so glad that God is not going to have you at the judgment and, and looking at you and saying, well, you know, I did kind of forgive you for that thing you did. But let's talk about it. We're going to need to talk about that. No, forgiveness is for real. And you got to forget the things. 
that you've done wrong, and you've got to forget the things that have been done wrong for you because you cannot live in faith and victimhood at the same time. You can't live in faith and walking around. You can't be victorious as living like a victim. You got to accept the forgiveness that God has given you and forget everything that you ever did wrong. And you got to extend that forgiveness because Jesus said, if you don't forgive others for what they've done to you, my father will not forgive you in heaven. Move on, church. You got to move on. I'm not talking about packing up and moving to Mississippi. I'm talking about moving on in your spirit to a better place where you can truly have what God has for you. Fourth and last thing I want you to see this morning is if you're a Christian, you have a high call from God. We have a high calling from God. I did a lot of study on what this upward call is. Some translations call it an upward call. Some people, some translations call it a higher call. It, many theologians uh, have written great commentaries on this. Listen, it's an upward call. It's a higher call because the one making it is higher than us. It, it's a higher call because God is calling us to a higher place because he don't live in the gutter. Oh, man. They missed it. They missed it, though. God doesn't dwell in the gutter. He's calling us higher. There's an upward call for every believer. And Paul was determined that he was going to forget everything that was behind him and that he was going to press on. Listen to verse 14. He, he said, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. That call is a higher call. That call is a call to come up. That call is a call to do better and, and, and to live on a higher standard. And here's the thing. He said, I'm pressing on to reach the end of the race. Some of y'all ain't even halfway there and you're tired. You better press on. Some of you might be near the end. You better press on. Some of you have endured a lot, and you're still in the race. Don't quit now. Some of you have quit every time the pressure got hard. Now, Paul is using terms that people understood in the natural, using that philosophy, teaching pattern of first natural, then spiritual, hoping that he'll tell you something you understand in the natural realm so you can understand what it looks like, feels like, and is like in the spirit realm. Now, if you've ever run track, you understand uh, about that bear that jumps on you on that final leg. Whether, whether, whether it's a short, uh, it can't be a sprint because the bear don't come out for sprinters. But, it, but if you got to run mo more, more than one turn, when you hit that final turn, if you got to run more than one lap, when you hit that final lap, if you've got to do anything in perseverance, at the very end, it feels like there's a refrigerator, a bear, an elephant that jumps on your back trying to make you slow down. But listen to what winners do on that final leg. They kick in. They kick in and they run harder. No matter how much pressure, no matter how much pain, no matter how hard their lungs are hurting or how bad their, their, their legs are cramping, they press on. Why? Because they want to reach the end of the race. I want to ask you this question. I'm going to get out of your way. Do you want to reach the end of the race? Do you want to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize that God is calling you up for? If not, quit now. Quit now. Soak in your sorriness. 
Just lay around in your victimness. Just blame everybody else for why it's so bad. Quit now and surround yourself with losers because they're not going to finish the race either. And they're not going to receive the prize. They're not going to reach heaven because the Bible says those that endure to the end shall be saved. You got to make a determination that, that, that says I, I, I'm moving on higher. God, God's called those of who are saved to a higher level of living, a higher level of giving, a higher level of praise, a higher level of worship, a higher level of servitude. Well, I'm already doing more than everybody around me. Uh, you got your eyes on the wrong person. Let me ask you this. Are you doing more than Jesus did? Are you honoring God more than Jesus did? Are you serving God more than Jesus did? Are you walking in greater connection to the Father than Jesus did? I'm going to help you this morning. I'm going to give you the answer to the questions I just asked. The answer is no. We got to press on. We, we, we've got a, a higher calling that we got to move forward to. Our prize, see, we, we got to press on to get to the end of the race so we can get that prize. We, that prize is Jesus. It's perfection because Jesus is the perfect one. It's heaven. It's eternity. It, are, are, are you pressing on? The Bible says that you can either lay up treasures on earth or you can lay up treasures in heaven. Well, this is part of our prize is heaven. Are you laying up treasure in heaven? Uh, uh, with, with your time, your tithe, and your talent. I've had people say, well, my, my volunteering is my tithe. Let me tell you something. You need to learn, understand Jesus and language. You need to understand Jesus and wording because your time volunteering is not your tithe. And your giving does not substitute your serving. There are people who think, well, I give so I don't have to serve. Jesus served and gave. We got to get on. We got to press our way. We got to move on and we got to press on. So let me ask you this. Are you pressing on the upward way? Has God really laid hold of your life? Are you truly saved? See, you can't have, some of you wonder, well, I don't really have all that desire to read my Bible and pray and worship God. I really don't want to do all those things. You're probably not saved. Because when the Savior lays hold on you, you're going to want to grab hold of Him back. That's what Paul was talking about. I, I hope if you're here and you are saved, you understand you can't wait till you're perfect to press on. Are you living out Paul's plan? putting the past behind you so you can move on every day move on from your past forget your past are, are, are you pressing on to reach that higher calling are, 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 are you striving every day to pray more to worship God more are you moving to a higher level of living because the Bible says that God wants us to go from one level of glory to the next level of glory from, from where you are now and the love you have for, for God to a higher level of where you are and how much you love God to a greater level of understanding all that there is to understand about God. See, when people are really immature and young in their faith, they think they know more than they know. 
They think they're smarter than they are. They think that they're further in Christ than they are. But when you really begin to get along in Christ, when you really begin to find maturity in Christ, when you really begin to get deep in your word, you're going to come to the realization that every real Christian that ever found maturity came to. The more you learn about God, the more you realize, I don't know enough about Him. The more you learn about God and His Word, the more you realize there's uh, a whole lot more for me to learn and a whole lot more for me to know. Are you pressing on? I told you we're about to move into a new decade. We're about to move. People, so many, so much preaching has been done by hope and hype preachers selling hope and hype trying to get people to to hold on to the hype of god is coming your miracles around the corner your breakthrough your blessing has been or listen your toughest season might be around the corner but will you press your way to give god glory in every season i so wish one of these lying preachers bad theology having church folk would have been standing there holding Peter's wife's hands while Peter was dying upside down on the cross laid into midnight hours sister God gonna turn it around oh miracles about God ain't about to let your man die somebody dying shouldn't stop you from believing in God of a belief you had, a hope you had, a goal you had dying shouldn't let you stop. Well, he, God didn't come through for me. Didn't he come through for you on the cross? Didn't he save you? If you're not saved, didn't he give you a way to be saved? It's time to move on from where you are and to press on to where God is calling you to be. It's time for all of us to move on from what we've been through and press our way to what God has for us. It's time for every real Christian and even non-Christian, you need to move on from where you are and you need to get saved for real. We need to move on. We need to move on from where we've been and we need to press on to what God is calling us for. God's calling everybody in this room to salvation. Have you answered that call? Are you saved for sure and do you know it? Because religion won't get you into heaven. Being a good person won't get you into heaven. Doing good things won't get you into heaven. The one thing that will get you into heaven is having a personal love relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you love Him? Remember what Jesus asked Peter? After Jesus rose from the dead, He said, do you love me? He didn't beat him up. Oh, well, let's deal with this, uh, you denying me before I died, Peter. Let's get into that. He didn't beat him up with Bible. He, he didn't throw his faults in his face. He knew Peter knew what he did, and he knew Peter was sorrowful over it. So what he asked him, do you love me? What's your answer to that today? Do you love Jesus? See, some people love the thought of Jesus. Because they think they're better than other people. Because they know something about God. I want to know today, do you love Him? And do you know how much He loves you? He loved us enough to send His Son to the cross to die for us. God loved us that much. Jesus loved us enough to stay on the cross even after He said He could have called 10,000 angels to, to get Him down. And, and that was just 
metaphor, by the way. Jesus didn't need any angels to come off the cross. He could have did it all himself. See, God loved us enough to send his son to die for us. Jesus loved us enough to go through with it. Do you love him enough to live for him? I believe if you understand that he loved you enough to die for you, you ought to love him enough to live for him. So it's time to move on, sir, ma'am, young person. It's time to move on from where you've been. It's time to move on to a real relationship with God. If you're not saved, you need to get saved today. You don't have to walk this aisle. You don't have to pray, uh, uh, repeat a prayer. You don't have to shake anybody's hand. Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross and that God raised him from the dead? Do you believe that this same Jesus who died on the cross lived a perfect life and lives today and that he died because of your sin and offers you salvation and forgiveness? He said if you'll ask him to, he'll save you. He said whoever calls on me, I will save them. If you're here and you're not saved, God's calling you to salvation. You need to save. You need to ask Him to save you today. If you're here and you are saved, God's calling you to a greater and a higher commitment. Do you love Him enough to answer that call? Do you love Him enough to say, I'll forget everything that's behind me? See, some of y'all are waiting on justice. But what you want for yourself is mercy. Mercy and justice are two different things. You want mercy, but you want others to have justice. Well, you're forgetting God said you reap what you sow. If you want mercy for you, you've got to give mercy to others. Well, he don't deserve it. Uh, neither do I. Neither do you. If you're here and you're saved, you need to move on from everything that's holding you back. and You need to press on to Jesus answer this higher call start living life on a higher level take your praise higher take your worship higher take your love for him higher take your forgiveness of others higher take your servitude higher take your giving your living higher the only way to make it work is to fall in love with Jesus because if you ever fall in love with him everything else will work out if you ever really fall in love with Jesus you'll get that revelation that I got in the first year of salvation that if God can forgive me for everything that I put his son through on the cross, I can forgive everyone for everything they've done to me. Everybody in this room knows about me, if you've been around, that I haven't arrived. I haven't achieved all these things. But I'm making a determination today to put everything in my past in my past. I'm making a determination today to move on from everything that happened from where I was just standing there and before so that I can press on and answer this upward call. I want to finish the race, y'all. I want to get the prize. I want to stand before Jesus as he welcomes me into heaven. He said there's an opportunity for you to hear him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. 
That's the upward call. He's calling us up. He's calling us up. Doesn't matter how hard it is, Paul went through worse. Doesn't matter how hard it is, Jesus went through worse. Doesn't matter what they've done to you. It, God, saints have gone through worse. It doesn't matter what, what, what your money says. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what background you have. It doesn't matter what education you have. If you are a Christian, there is an upward call on your life. And I want you to live it every day. See, I could have an invitation now and ask if you want to answer the upward call to come up here. If, you, if you're ready to take it to the next level and put the past in the past and move on with God, and people would come. And that'd be cool. But what would be so much better is if you make that determination now where people aren't watching you and you do it for real in your heart to God and it lasts beyond today into your tomorrow. Because until Christians start answering this upward call, people won't know how good our God is. And it will invalidate your voice in their life. Stop waiting on other people to get it together. You get it together. And you can help us. Stop waiting on other people to arrive. You, you, you arrive. And then you can help us. There's an upward call. Can you find that, that phrase to that song in the beginning, Kari? I just want to read it one more time because we're not going to have a formal invitation today. If you want to get saved, get saved. If you want to get right with God, get right with God. But I want to just read this. I just feel led to read this, this, this verse one more time out of that great hymn it says I'm pressing on the upward way well, I want that to be true I want it to be true for me and I want it to be true for you new heights I'm gaining every day don't you want that to be true I can't make you feel it if you don't the song says still praying as I'm onward bound you're not onward bound if you're not praying. And it says, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. It would be awesome if I could just slob some oil on you and pray for you. And you just miraculously be on higher ground and stay there. But that ain't how it works. It's day by day. Jesus said, if anyone will follow me, let him deny himself. Take up your cross daily and follow him. Christianity is day by day. I thank God if your testimonies you got saved back then, filled with the Holy Ghost back then, were fired up for God back then. Where are your feet planted now? God's calling us to higher ground. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the upward call, God. And I thank you for forgiving me for failing you so many times. God, I have moved in and out of this upward call for so many years. God, I pray that you would let me move on press on let me move on from the hurts and the pains and the wrongs let me move on from guilt and shame let me move on from failures and those who failed me 
press on to higher ground. We press on to finish the race and to win the prize. You're the prize. You're everything. You're good. You're great. You're loving. You're merciful. You're forgiving. You demand justice. And you judge sin. Thank you for placing my sin on Jesus and letting him pay my price. God, I pray for everyone here who's not saved, God, that they would accept the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as payment for their sin and gain access to you through Jesus. God, I pray for every person who is saved that you'd give us a desire, an urgent desire, an all-consuming desire press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ you're worthy God you deserve more than I've given you I thank you for forgiving me and I ask you to plant my feet on higher ground God lift us up to higher ground in our hearts, in our minds in our will, in our emotions to move on God help us to move on from where we've been stuck help us to move on from things that have held us back help us to press our way to Jesus thank you for your word thank you for your spirit Thank you for guiding us through your word, drawing us by your spirit, compelling us and constraining us by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for giving us faith to believe in you and a desire to answer the higher call. God, I pray that you would use this church and this community for your glory. And I pray, God, that you would fill us with a sense of purpose and a sense of urgency to be and do all that you've called us to be and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.